God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you today. As you notice on your cover of your bulletin, it says, Let Freedom Ring. I'm going to invite you to participate in the sermon today with a response. You see the liberty bell there for our country, the freedom that came to us, and also the freedom that we have in the, being citizens of God's nation, the Christian church, the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. So each time I say in the sermon, let freedom ring, I want you to say amen, which means it's true. It's really, I really believe that, okay? So let freedom ring. Amen. All right, you got it. Now, when I say that in the sermon, and join me with by emphasizing that that's what you truly believe too, and it's part of who we are as Christians. The word freedom itself just simply means that you are, have the right to speak, the right to think, the right to uh, believe what you want to believe without somebody interfering with you or restricting you. You have that freedom. Now there's debate whether or not we're losing some of those freedoms today, but right, we're still celebrating a wonderful freedom that we have as a country, and of course, above all, the freedom we have in the church. And the word ring means to make something clear, to call something to attention, usually to bring people together when the bells ring. And of course, as I said in the children's sermon, we have two flags in the church, the Christian flag and the American flag, reminding us of the two nations we belong to, the USA and God's kingdom. And we celebrate those, both of those today as we celebrate this holiday weekend in our country. So we're going to celebrate our freedom that we have. But the first one to look at is the freedom that we have as, an, as a nation. On July the 8th, 1776, a 2,000 pound copper and tin bell rang out in the tower of Pennsylvania State House, summoning the citizens of Philadelphia to come and hear the public reading of the Declaration of Independence. Now, if you notice something, what day did I say it was? July 8th. Did I have that right? Yes. It was not read publicly until July 8th. It was written and signed on July 4th. But remember, this is the day of no typewriter, no computers, no uh, fast printing presses. Had to be, type had to be set. So it was on paper, written out in longhand, on July 4th, and then it was signed by the people who wanted to sign it and agree to it, and then it had to go to the printing press to be copies made so it could be read and passed out in the public square. So it wasn't until July 8th that it was actually read in the public square. But the bell rang out to draw the people of Philadelphia together. The ringing of the bell meant there's something going to be announced, come and hear. You see, the ringing of a bell is to assemble. We have a church bell. You heard it ring today. The church bell means it's time to worship. It's time to come together as God's people. Years ago, the churches were usually in the center, very center of the village, and they had a tower and a steeple, and there was a bell in the church. Remember, people had no clocks, no watches. They didn't know what time it was time to start church. They couldn't look through their watch and say, oh, we've got five minutes to go. They didn't know. So when the preacher was ready to preach and the ushers were there and assembled, 
he would say, okay, I'm ready, ring the bell. And they'd ring the bell, and then the citizens in the community, they could all hear because they all lived in the village, and they could hear the bell and the churches in the center. They would say, okay, and they'd walk out the doors of their houses and walk over to the church. Didn't have cars to get in or anything, they just walked. And they came together and assembled at the ringing of the bell. The bell was a call to come and worship. And we still use the bell to call our attention to worship. The ringing of the bell is to bring us into a symbol together. Now, we're worshiping and celebrating today, as I said, two freedoms. But think about this for a moment. You are 4% of the world's population. The United States contains 4% of the world's population. You are fortunate to live in a country that proclaims freedom that allowed you to come here today, you weren't harassed, no one tried to stop you, no one said they're going to threaten you with something and beat you up if you came here, no one's going to stand out the door here and go after you when you come out the door, you're free to worship. You have that freedom given to you by the country, by the people. But you're 4% of the world's population. Now there are other Christians and freedom other places too, but not to the extent that we've been experiencing in our country. And then when you think about that we're 4% of the world's population, we're only one-third of the Christian population in the world. You're a Christian. You claim Jesus Christ. You confess the creed. This is what I believe. One-third of the world's population claims to be Christian, to believe in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we're thankful for our freedoms. You should be thankful today for your freedom that you have, both as in this country and in the church. Now, I got two questions I'm going to ask you and answer them silently. You don't have to answer them out loud, but just think about this. The first question I want to ask you is, think about this, how much does God love you, you as a person? Would you say 0%, 25%, 50 75 or 100%? Well, how would you rate yourself by how much God loves you? How would you answer that question in your own mind? And the second question is, how righteous are you in God's eyes? Now, by righteous, we mean, the word righteous means you're very good, you're excellent, you are justifiable. So, how righteous are you when God looks at you? Okay? Two questions that we look at today, or examine. And I just want you to ask and think about that for a minute. Now, on the first question, how much does God love you? I hope you answered 100%. If you didn't, by the time you leave here today, I hope it's 100%. Listen to 1 John 4, 9. God showed us how much he loves us by sending his one and only Son into the world that we might have eternal life through him. Powerful, isn't it? That's scripture. God showed you how much he loved you 
by sending his one and only son for you. Amazing? Yes. Wonderful? Yes. Wow. Let freedom ring. Amen. He brought his son into this world to carry your sins and to pay for them. He gives us eternal life. We live now and forever in heaven. God loves you 100%. Now the second question, how righteous does God see you when he looks at you? How excellent are you or how good are you? I hope you answered 100%. That's the correct answer. If you did not answer that way, by the time you leave today or not and finish listening to this service, I hope you say 100%. Listen to John, 1 John 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Got it? From all unrighteousness, he will cleanse you when you confess your sins. When you acknowledge your sins and know that God forgives you through Jesus Christ, all your sins are forgiven. Your past, present, and the ones you're going to do in the future, next week, next year, they are all been forgiven by Jesus Christ at the one event on the cross. He gave you freedom. Freedom from sin, death, and the devil. You are free. You live in a free environment from sin. God loves you that much. Listen to this verse in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake... He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become, get this, the righteousness of God. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah, that is, isn't it? Let freedom ring. For our sake, for your sake, he made Jesus, the Father did, no sin. He knew no sin. Jesus was righteous, totally, completely righteous, but Jesus, God laid the sins, your sins and my sins, on his own son, that we might become the righteousness of God. God looks down and sees you and says, whoa, you're righteous. You're 100% righteous. That is amazing. So let freedom ring. Amen. But now we have to remember something in this country in which we live and in which the church in which we are part of. The powers of darkness are out to take that away from you. There are forces in the world that don't want you to have the freedom that you have in this country. There are forces in the world and that don't want you to have the freedom in the church. Demonic forces, controlled by Satan, we might say. Satan wants to take away your freedom. Your freedom in the church, salvation and the freedom in the country. And so there are all kinds of forces out there that we have to fight against, defend, stand up against and proclaim Jesus Christ to the world because we can push back because we have the power in Christ to do so. But we have to use that power. It's interesting that the world believes and what society believes and what we hear in the news and all this stuff that's going on when I walked down to the mailbox in our, in our neighborhood to get our mail, I walked by this particular house, a couple houses down from us, and the people that are in there, they have these little stickers all over their car and the back window, and 
by the stickers, I can tell they're not exactly free in Christ. That that's not who they are. And they put a new sticker on their back window here recently, and I caught my attention when I saw it. And this sticker on the back of their car says, No gods, no masters. So when the person comes up behind that car and looks at that sign, what, are they, what does that mean? Well, it means that the people, people in that car have no gods. They say, we don't accept any god. We don't accept the Christian god, the Hindu god, the Buddhist god, the Muslim god, the Jewish god. No gods. And therefore we have no masters. Nobody tells us what to do. We'll tell you what to do. We'll tell you how we're going to live. And this is the way we're going to do things. This is what we believe. They have no masters. Or at least they think they don't, but they have a master, the devil himself. But their, their philosophy is, I'm not going to believe in any God. I'm not going to have anybody tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. The freedom, part of that woke society concept. But the devil doesn't want you to be free. So the question is, are we living in freedom or in bondage? Well, Jesus Christ has come to set us free. Today's scripture makes it pretty plain for us that we uh, had. We heard in the we heard in the, in the in Acts. It says, "Let it be known, therefore, brothers, that through this man, meaning Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes in him is freed from everything from which you could not be free by the law of Moses." Jesus Christ. His grace frees you. The law of the Old Testament was good for the time, but it did not solve the whole problem because sacrifice after sacrifice had to be offered. But now in the New Testament, the New Covenant, there's one sacrifice, one complete sacrifice, Jesus Christ. He has brought freedom to us. By grace, we've been saved. When you believe in Jesus, you are saved. You are free. Free from sin, death, and the devil. In this scripture, was proclaimed in the New Testament era. And so we can celebrate that today. You can celebrate your freedom. You've been free by Jesus Christ. And then we have the abundant life. The gospel lesson says, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it abundantly. God wants to give you the abundant life. It's yours when you believe in him, his son, Jesus Christ, and what God has done for you. I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly, Jesus said. And he said, I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus gave his life for you, for me, because he loves us so dearly. The love is beyond even understanding. How could God, the almighty God of heaven, give up his only son to die for you, for me? out of pure love and offers you the opportunity to live with him forever and to give you the abundant life that you can have through Jesus Christ. Amazing what today's scripture offers for you and me. I hope you celebrate that and I hope you've got those passages in mind the scripture has said that God loves you 100% and he sees you righteous 100% because of Jesus. Let me share a little um, incident or uh, illustration here that can help put 
Think about it for a minute. This is a little story about a Jimmy and Marie. Jimmy and Marie were engaged to get married, and they felt great. And Jimmy thought, this is wonderful. I found the love of my life, and I can look forward to settling down and having a family and enjoy life. Then one day, Marie walked out. And he said to Jimmy, I don't want anything to do with this marriage. The marriage is off. Here's your ring. I'm leaving, and don't bother to contact me. I'm done. And walked out. Jimmy was devastated. He was hurt. He felt deserted. What was he to do? But a few more weeks later, Jimmy got angry. He was mad at her. What did she do? She did this to me? And he really got angry and mad in his heart against her. And then a couple months later, in the mail, he saw that a letter was there, and it could tell that it was from Marie. Should he open it? Or should he discard it? Should he forget it? What should he do? Well, he decided to open it. And here's what the letter said. Dearest Jimmy, no words can ever express the great unhappiness that I've felt since breaking our engagement. Please take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart. Please forgive me. I love you. Yours forever, Marie. What would you do? How would you answer that? Would you tear it up and throw it away and say, no way, it's time to make her suffer. She made me suffer, I'm going to make her suffer. She can suffer now. Or would he say, okay, Marie, prove it to me. You're going to have to prove it to me and jump through a number of hoops to show me that this is really true before I believe it. Or the third choice he could have made was, yes, come back, welcome, I love you. Come back into my life. Which would he do? Well, think about this in the relationship to God and people. What if someone walks away from God? They believe in God, and all of a sudden they walk away and say, God, I don't have anything to do with you. I got a better deal. I like what the world has to offer. I like the things that are out there. I can go someplace else and I can have no gods, no masters. I don't want you. Get out of my life and walk away from God. And then sometime later, this person wakes up to the reality of what they've done. And they want to come back. And they say, Lord, would you take me back? Lord, would you forgive me? I want to come back into your fold, into a love relationship with you. Now, what would God do? Would he say, no way, you made your choice, you're out. Or would he say, prove it. Show me that you really want to do this, do penance. Or would he say, I love you, welcome back, I'm so glad you're back. That's what he would do, the third choice. God would say, welcome back. God's love is 100%. 100% love because he sees you through the eyes of Jesus. 
He would see this person through the eyes of Jesus, and he sees you. No matter where you've been or what you've done or how far away you may have ever gone from God or somebody that you know has gone far away from God, you've got good news for them. God is ready and willing to welcome you back. Arms wide open for you, for you, for your friend, for a relative, for anybody who wants to come back. Because Jesus Christ has paid for all our sins and let us free, set us free. You are free. Let freedom ring. Amen. Freedom is yours. Thank God this week when you celebrate the July 4th that you live in a country of freedom, freedoms. And above all, thank God that you belong to the kingdom of God, that you are free from sin, death, and the devil. And then rejoice in it, celebrate it, share it, tell people the good news. You are free. What a privilege to be free. And think about it. In a few minutes, you're going to come up here and participate in a freedom meal, a meal of Holy Communion. It reminds you that you've been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. Remember the Lord Jesus gave this on Passover. He was eating Passover, celebrating the deliverance of Israel from the bondage of slavery in Egypt. The children of Israel were slaves in Egypt. And the Passover meal that was set up by God, the angel of death passed over the houses had blood on the doorpost. And then Jesus says, now I am the lamb that saves you from your slavery of sin. And take and eat, take and drink. This is my body, this is my blood given for you for the forgiveness of your sins. It's a meal of celebration, a meal of love, a meal that you are forgiven, a meal that, cares, that shows that God cares about you in this wonderful sacrament of communion. And you can participate in it today. We can thank God so much. So uh, when you leave today, remember, and I pray that every one of you and everyone who's listening can know for sure that God loves you 100% through his son Jesus, and through his son Jesus, he sees you 100% righteous. God loves you that much. Let freedom ring. Amen. Amen.